Welcome back to Rough in the Basket. This is your host, Noah Burnt, and I am accompanied, as always, by Brandon Carr. What is up, Carr? Noah, what's going on? I'm doing good. NFL, um, we're recording this on Monday. Monday Night Football is going on right now, but we had a pretty relatively busy week of football. Um, you know, the NBA season is rolling, but I hear that you have a fun fact for me again, as you did last week's show, you know, talking about Clay Thompson and his dad. But what do you got for me this week? So a little less interesting, if I'm honest, but, you know, I was just curious, right? Like, yeah. what is the longest punt in NFL history? That's something probably nobody has ever asked, but th- this is what we answer on Rough in the Basket, the questions that nobody's really asking. Is it going to be, uh, I was going to say, it's got to be like a 99-yard punt, right? 98. 98-yard punt. Okay. Steve O'Neill, a name you probably never heard in your life, 1969 oh. on the Jets. Crazy. That, how do you punt the ball 98 yards? You'd have to have like, I've never seen the play personally, but I would assume like it had to have been like some crazy bounce and like nobody, you know, like whoever team that they were versing, like no one ever picked it up. I mean, that's crazy. That's some serious special team. So you're saying that you're punting it from your own two yard line and then being able to boot it down the field all the way to the other opponent's team, uh, the, the opponent's uh, two yard line is crazy. That's crazy. Oh, you want to hear something even crazier? Randall Cunningham is one of three NFL players that the quarterback, the quarterback for the Eagles in the the 90s, I believe. Yeah. The 80s, whatever it may be. Dude, he had a 91-yard punt in his career. That's crazy. Randall Cunningham was quite an athlete. So, honestly, you saying that does not surprise me in the slightest that he was a great athlete at his position. Yeah, man, definitely. I, I just thought we would start the show off by talking punters because, you know, wh- what other sports podcast is doing that? So <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> setting ourselves bro. apart a little bit, <laughs> getting some diversity. I, I eventually want to have a kicker on here. I'm telling you, man, one of these days we will be interviewing. A if kicker you are, just- if you are an NFL kicker, NFL punter, college, you know, punter, long kicker, snapper, long long snapper of if- uh, Bridgewater State. Yeah, Bridgewater State, or if you're in the CFL, wherever, man, you know, high school, like, I don't care at this point, like, (laughs) we want you on, so come on the show. Definitely. But yeah, man, what a mess. (laughs) Crazy way to start things off, but hot hot start, but you know, it's going to get even hotter in here because, man, you know, bro, Lions are are not going to finish the season Oh, oh, no, no. They could still finish the season winless. I, I had to stop myself there. But they will not be the first team ever to go 0-17 because they will go 0-16-1. <laughs> at least they will have that one at the end to make me feel a little bit better at the end of the oh, day, even though God. they will still have 0-16 on their record. And I probably will have nightmares for several months because it's just a throwback to the, the pre-Matthew Stafford days. Wouldn't that be kind of ironic when – the year before they draft Matthew Stafford, they go 0-16. And a year after they let go of Matthew Stafford, they go 0-16-1. and That'd be pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. That is some sort of parallel. But, yeah, Steelers and the Lions yesterday, as we're recording this, tied 16-16. to Me and Noah were kind of talking about it over text, but he's got a lot of opinions, and I'm very excited for him to just unleash on his team. Well, first off, this was probably one of the worst NFL games I've seen in my life by both teams. Yeah. I mean, you know, I texted Jason prior to the game and I was like, you know something? Lions actually have a shot at this game 
because uh, Ben Roethlisberger either a has COVID or was, you know, a close contact. Hopefully he's fine. And yeah. he's uh, playing next week. Um, my thoughts out to him, but you know, Mason Rudolph, his backup was playing and he's not exactly a prestigious quarterback. I mean, he can hold his own, but he's not going to move the needle down the field. Um, ultimately he put up, I believe 240 yards more or less on 50 throws. So he wasn't yeah. very effective with uh, throwing the ball, only averaging about 4.8 yards, um, yards of throw. The Lions, you know, Jared Goff uh, somehow found a way to do even worse, putting up 4.6 yards per completion. And uh, that is absolutely, yeah, yards uh, per attempt. Sorry about that. Yards per attempt. And it was, uh, it was terrible. It was probably the worst performance I've ever seen by a quarterback. Uh, it was up there. It was in the top three for sure. He was throwing lollipops. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> way I could describe it. He was throwing it, in, you know, in baseball when there's like a high fly ball and um, it's so high up in the sky, you know, and it's like a sunny day. The sun's in the guy's eyes and the ball just drops right in front of him. It was kind of like that with yeah. all of his throws. I mean, Jared Goff is probably the worst quarterback I have seen in in, in a very long time without Sean McVay. Um, he, yeah. He's awful. I mean, when I look at him, he has no pocket awareness. The guy has no pocket awareness. He has no uh, presence in – he has no no reason to be playing football. Let's be real, honestly. Get the backup wow. in there at this point. They would probably be doing better. Um, I mean, it's a $35 million waste, but then again, that's the price that we pay to have two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford, so I'll take it. But from what I was seeing, it was just so, so bad. Um, I don't know how it could get really worse, but it was like every time the Steelers would blitz him, he was just lost. Like I yeah. saw one play where he he literally ran into the Steelers guy and then fell on the ground and I was like, man, what are you doing? Like, it's just it's terrible. Like you see you see guys like Tom Brady who you know they're able to they they like have eyes on the back of the head you know like they're moving up in the pocket when there's a defender behind them and they don't even have to look they just they they have this presence about them this aura where they're able to sense it. And it's like with Jared Goff, it's just the complete opposite, man. It's like, I don't know what this yeah. guy is doing, but um, he's not going to be the Lions' future. He's not going to have a, a spot in the NFL post the season. He is probably going to be a backup, and, and I would not be surprised if in three years he's out of the league. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff, like, first of all, it just goes to show how good Sean McVay is as a head coach, but that he was able to – mask all well not mask all of his flaws but at least like make them not as noticeable you know to us and you know kind of make him a competent quarterback you know like I never agreed with them paying him as much money as he got um because I truthfully believe that he was a system quarterback I mean even when he was at Cal like the the there were question marks like he was drafted number one overall because there was some talent with him, but he also was just not a good decision maker and he wasn't very good at reading defenses. And that can be, an, uh, that can be an issue. Like you can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't do that, those types of things, then you're going to really put yourself in a really bad situation. Um, if you don't get those fixed, but I mean, luckily for a while, he had the coach and Sean McVay who really masked a most of those things away, you know, from what people can see, but granted his situation in Detroit's not great. It's not, you know, I mean, his number one receiver is Amonra St. Brown, a rookie, you know, drafted in what the third or fourth round. 
TJ Hawkinson didn't even have a catch um, in the game against the Steelers and then DeAndre Swift and they were using him, you know, not really that much in the passing game, but more so on the ground. Um, So while his situation is not great, it just still, the excuse is, you know, you can't really make that much of an excuse for Jared Goff. And especially in this game, I saw a stat that I think I sent this to you, Noah. Um, He had like five plus seconds to drop back. Like he had five seconds in the pocket. This was on NFL next gen stats. He had like over five seconds of time in the pocket to throw. And he was only, you know, his like yards per attempt was like 4.4 or something. Like it was crazy. So like he wasn't even, he had time in the pocket according to NFL next gen stats. And he wasn't doing anything with that. You know, like it's a shame. It's, it's bad. I I, I haven't gotten to watch the film yet of this game, but I can only imagine when I turn it on how disgusted I'm going to be um, because just, you know, everything that you mentioned, I'm just not surprised about. And I've never been a big Jared Goff guy. I think the Lions could look at a quarterback in 2022. You know, there's some guys that we like. Matt Corral, I think me and you both like him. Um, but if the Lions are drafted number one overall, um, there's a defensive player from Oregon, Kayvon Thibodeau, who's being comp to the next Miles Garrett, I mean, that could be a nice blue chip piece to add to your team. And then maybe, you know, if you can somehow get out of Jared Goff's contract, which I believe they have an out in 2023. So they might have to hang on to him after the season, but two years they can get, they can cut him and get rid of him. Um, so, so they, they can actually get rid of him after next, after this season but they will be liable for $15 million against the cap, but they will save 10 million. Yeah. So their cap hit is 31 million, uh, 150,000 and their dead cap is 30 million. So they have a relative, if they were to cut him in 2022, their dead cap is, I mean, that's going to really prevent them from not doing anything. So I think they might still be with Jared Goff after the season, which it's not great news, but I think when they hired Tan Campbell, they knew that they were going to be doing a long-term rebuild. And Jared Goff never was the answer, you know. But, I mean, they can potentially draft their future guy, whether that's Matt Corral, whether that's someone in 2023 or another quarterback, whether they, you know, get some – I think you were mentioning Kirk Cousins. That could be a possibility. Who knows? Um, But I just think the Lions right now are – in a situation where it's not great, but I think you just got to hit the complete reset button. Goff, we knew was a bridge quarterback until they found their guy. And he just showed it once again. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. I just gave you guys next gen stats of him having a lot of time in the pocket and not doing anything with it. And he was unable to beat Mason Rudolph. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know what else to say other than that. There's really no, nothing that I can defend with Jared Goff. Um, I think you were also telling me that the Lions were calling draw plays on third and lawn, like just having no faith in him. Dude, it was bad. bad. It was bad. When, yeah. when it, it's three and 15 and you're calling a running play, that just shows that you have no faith in your, your quarterback. And I don't blame Terrible. Dan Campbell because at that point there was three or four times where Jared Goff got extremely lucky because he threw it directly at a defender and he just couldn't hang on for whatever reason. One thing I will say 
is a Lions defense. I never thought the words clutch and the Lions defense would come into play, but they were actually extremely clutch. There was two scenarios, one before the end of regulation and in overtime where you can go back and watch this. um, They were within field goal range or just about within field goal range with a few seconds left, and the Lions had two fumbles. And one of them prevented the game from uh, ending in, in regulation, went to overtime because they didn't have the, the chance to get the field goal due to the fumble. Yeah. And then the same thing happened in overtime. So, I mean, hey, they, they got the tie. It was a well-deserved tie in the end. But, I'm, I mean, there's no defending Jared Goff at this point. Look, at the, the beginning of the season, I looked at the roster. I saw how bad their uh, wide receiver game was. And I still think it's terrific. No excuse there. But... Um, when you target your number one guy in TJ Hawkinson one time, that's on you. You know, I mean, the last week he had 11 targets um, talking about TJ Hawkinson and he was able to go 10 of 11, 10 receptions on 11 targets for 89 yards. So, I mean, and also a few weeks before that had 11 targets, had eight receptions for 74 yards. So when yeah. they target him, he's able to catch the ball. There's no re- reason why. <clears throat> Um, except, you know, a lack of confidence. And to Goff's credit, he was playing with um, an oblique injury, which I'm sure did cause some problems with his throwing. However, I do want to point out, like, this isn't anything new. I've seen his first quarter stats, first half stats, for that matter, over the last several weeks, and they've been pathetic. I'm pretty sure he's averaging something like 70 yards um, in the first half of his last, like, four or five games. It's gone bad. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to move on from the Lions QB talk and the Lions talk in general. But one last thing is uh, speaking of 0-16 and 1, that's going to be Jared's golf record without Sean McVay if if he loses next week. So (laughs) it's kind of a a crazy scenario. And uh, one last thing, you know, I was signing up for classes this week. How does this have anything to do with Lions? Uh, Because I was telling my uh, my advisor, you know, I'm going to take six classes. Two of the classes are like extremely hard. Going to take all of them online. And he goes, oh, you must like pain. And I told him, I'm like, well, you know, I'm a Lions fan. So I guess that speaks for itself. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll end with that. <laughs> the Yo, that's crazy, um, man. But uh, <laughs> true story, by the way. Um, he probably had no idea what I was talking about. He's from France, I think. But I think he watched his football. But he's probably, there we go. Uh, probably a Patriots fan. So he has it good. But speaking of the Patriots, man, um, Wow. What a turnaround they've had. I mean, I said yeah. when they were two and four, I'm not ready to count them out because season's still young. And sure enough, they have turned it around completely. You know, the Mac Jones has been I mean, throughout the season he's been a ball manager, but now it seems like he's kind of taking it to the next level. It yeah. seems like when they need a completion, he's able to do it. And from what I'm seeing, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady by any means. From what I'm seeing in his first season, compared to Tom Brady's first season, I'm not saying he's gonna turn into the goat or anything like that. But this guy is going to be a good quarterback in the NFL for a very long time. The Patriots found their answer already at QB. Yeah, and no, I completely agree with you. Um, Mac Jones has just – i honestly, I think this Browns game, he definitely played the best game I think I've seen him play. I think he looked super poised, super comfortable. You know, they were letting him kind of throw the ball down the field a little bit. Um Next-gen stats, bringing them up again. He completed six of his seven passes over 10 air yards, and he had 103 yards in the touchdown when he was throwing down the field. So, and look, I've always been a believer in him throwing the ball down the field because I saw it in his film at Alabama. The Patriots have just not had a guy 
that can do those things for him. None of none of the Patriots receivers are guys that stretch, you know, stretch the field or go down the field really. Um, but Mac Jones was great. I mean, there were just so many great throws that he made. He made one great throw to Jacoby Myers, kind of right in the bucket. Um, his touchdown pass to Kendrick Bourne was maybe the best pass I had seen him make all season. It was a great catch by Kendrick Bourne over two Browns defenders, but Mac Jones put it exactly where the ball needs to be placed in order for Kendrick Bourne to make that play. Great pass. He had another great pass to Hunter Henry in a tight window. Like he, look, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be, you know, a top five, maybe not even a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. But I think that him being around top 15 and being a solid starting quarterback, if he's Kirk Cousins or if he's Derek Carr, or if he's, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo in that range, I wouldn't be mad about it. You know, I wouldn't be mad about it. Maybe he ends up, you know, exceeding expectations and he's a, he ends up being a top 10 quarterback. But, I mean, he has the things that you want to see. He has the intangibles. I think he has the anticipation on his throws. I think he has the ability to know where to put the ball in the right spots. He doesn't panic. He just he seems confident, poised. I really love him um, as a Patriots fan, but I think expectations do need to be dimmed a little bit on his overall career outlook, but I do really like the Patriots this year. And I was worried, you know, for the first few weeks of the season or really the first six weeks of the season when we were two and four, wasn't great, but we rattled off four straight wins. Matt Jones has thrown six touchdowns and interception at that throughout the last four games Patriots, the last couple of games, I think, have scored, uh, or the last four games, I think they've averaged like 34 points a game in the last four games, which offense is humming right now. And we've just been playing really good. Like, we just beat a really good team. Like, I understand that Nick Chubb wasn't playing, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt wasn't playing, uh, you know, the team just lost Odell, um, you know, because he's not playing, but I mean, this this was just a, a signature win, and I just I love when the Patriots are doing these types of things, and the team is humming. Like you can see that the defense is playing really well with the veterans they have on our team. We have on our team, Matt Judon has been an unbelievable pickup for us. He has nine and a half sacks, and I think he's like three or four sacks away from breaking uh, the, the record for the most sacks by a first-year Patriots player of all time. So, you know, he's he's playing really well. Um, and I'm just – I'm really impressed with how this team is playing. I think Mac Jones is going to be fine. I think this team was able to run the football. The offensive line played really well. Ramondre Stevenson had a breakout game. Jacoby Myers caught his first touchdown, which was great to see that and kind of seeing the team go around him and, you know, being hyped up for him because he finally scored that elusive touchdown. Took 135 catches to get there, but he got there. And as a Patriots fan, I'm just, I'm very pleased. We're six and four. And I feel like, you know, if we can keep this up, I think we're going to be a team that nobody is going to want to play in the playoffs. I think we would be a tough out um, for some of these teams in the AFC. And the AFC right now just seems to be wide open. Like there's, you know, you got Tennessee. They're playing really good football, but no Derrick Henry. Kansas City only just started to get hot again because of their win over the Raiders. Um, you know, the Ravens lost to the Dolphins, you know, the Bills. 
last week, you know, lost to the Jaguars. They didn't get the win against the Jets, so I'll give them that. But it, I think the Patriots have been, you know, one of the, I think the, the hottest team in the league, you know, besides a few other teams. They've just been really good, and I've been really impressed with this turnaround for us. The offense is playing great. The defense is playing great. And Bill Belichick is coaching his butt off. So I just think we're, 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 we're hot right now. And I'm hoping that we can keep this momentum going throughout the next few weeks and throughout the rest of the season. So I agree with everything you said, except one thing. I think yep. Mac Jones does have the potential to be a top seven quarterback in the league. I think Fair. in within a few seasons, I really do believe that within a few seasons, um, I mean, as you see some of the guys that are up there right now, you know, start to wind down their careers. I think that Mac Jones is going to flourish. I think he is going to improve every season. I think, you know, he he's, I don't know if he's a system quarterback at this point, but I do think that, no. you know, I don't know. But the thing is, is even if he is, he's going to thrive in the system. You know, he's going to play really well in the Patriots system. And I think, you know, the fit there with the Patriots is incredible. Well, it was definitely a match made in heaven. Yeah. So, and uh, like I was saying though, like, I don't think it's a bad thing if he's not a top 10 quarterback, if he is, if I'm saying what I'm if I'm saying right now that he's Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, it's not a bad thing to have. It's not a bad problem to have. It's hell, it is hard to find Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, like these, you know, top-tier quarterbacks. It's hard to find them. You know, and if Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins or maybe he is a top 10 quarterback, French top 10 quarterback, like that's not a bad thing. And I think the Patriots just have to do a good job of building the team around him. Hunter Henry has been a fantastic pickup. John Smith hasn't really panned out so far, but Hunter Henry has had, I believe six touchdowns in his last seven games. I could be wrong on that, um, but he's just been, he's been fantastic. Um, you know, and some of these receivers have stepped up as well. So while the Patriots, I still think do need a wide receiver one, they don't have that. I think this team is in a really good spot right now. And I think Mac Jones will only continue to get better. I just don't think his ceiling is as high as some of these other quarterbacks. You know, I think he's got a relatively high floor. And if he's top 15, top 12, or fringe top 10 quarterback, I would not be mad at that. You don't need to be a top 10 quarterback and, you just have to hope that your team puts you in the best situations. And he has all those things that you're looking for, the anticipation, the confidence, the poise, you know, the accuracy, um, the decision-making. He has what you want. And I think that's all you can say for Matt Jones right now. And that's all you can want him to do right now. So I'm very, very pleased with the Patriots. I'm pleased to have how he played on against the Browns on Sunday. I think it was his best performance of the season. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that one. I mean, uh, for sure, definitely a dominant win. I think this is definitely up there with that Jets win where they just destroyed the Jets. But then again, obviously the Browns are a more formidable opponent than the Jets, obviously. But yeah, and the Chargers game too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Can't forget that game. That was a big win as well. But I mean, again, the main story, and I, I hate to, you know, just kick somebody when they're down, but again, it seems like every week I'm saying the same thing, and it's just Baker Mayfield, isn't mm -hmm. it? I, I've said this so many times, and like, 
you know, every week he puts up like relatively the same numbers, like maybe 200 yards, a touchdown, an interception. And it's just nothing special, nothing like where he's moving the ball down the field. You know, I don't have any advanced analytics to prove this. I'm going to actually look this up this week, but I can guarantee you if there's some kind of analytic that says how many times the quarterback has advanced the ball, like single-handedly down the field from, you know, like let's say their 30-yard line to the opposing 30-yard line in a game, I guarantee you this number is like below like two or three with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Like he, he does not advance the ball at all. He throws these short little three-yard three, three yard, uh, throws, and he it's not necessarily managing the game. It's like he just doesn't do anything, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do in the offseason with that. I'm still very convinced that they, you know, because this is the most quarterback stability they've had in a long time, that they're not going to cut him or, you know, they're going to at least give him some kind of uh, deal where they like approve a deal type thing. But, you know, Kirk Cousins is an intriguing name. And I feel like we've, you know, this is probably the most times we've said his name on the show. It's only like 10 minutes, 11 minutes in. And we've said Kirk Cousins' name solid six, seven times now. But yeah. I mean, I guess we'll talk about him real quick because, you know, there's a report that came out this week and I don't know how true this is. But the Vikings are internally considering moving on from Kirk Cousins, which to me is kind of a surprise. I mean, I get he's 33 years old, but he shows he's shown no signs of slowing down. If anything, I think he's shown that he's actually potentially improved. I mean, in terms of turning the ball over, he's gotten better. He only has one fumble loss this season, and he's only had two interceptions. He's put together a very quiet but violent season, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he's been able to make the most of having uh, Adam Thielen and um, Justin Jefferson, that duo, dynamic duo. Um, and last season, I mean, he had 35 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. It's like every year he puts up these solid numbers. And, I mean, as a Lions fan, as, as any team that has a struggling quarterback, I would love to have Kirk Cousins on my roster. And I just don't see exactly what they could replace him with. I mean – some of these names I was seeing as like potential back or potential uh, replacements. Like I saw um, Daniel Jones as an option. Like who would you rather have Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins? Let's be real. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of ridiculous that the Vikings are even considering this. I understand that maybe they need to prepare for the future. And I mean, he's 33 and you don't know how much left he has in the tank or how much longer he necessarily wants to be there. But I think if, you know, he wants to be there, I don't understand why they would want to move on from him. I didn't see that report, but if it is true, like, I wouldn't move on to – I mean, I wouldn't move on from Kirk Cousins yet. I mean, he's still – he's playing really good football. Like, he's – right now, I think – what's he have? 18 touchdowns and two interceptions on the season. I think he has the best, like, interception percentage in the entire NFL right now. Like, he he's playing really good. Um I understand that I think his contract, he said he would be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. Um, and they really, I don't think they can move on from him yet after this season. I think he's still under contract technically because he signed the two-year deal. But I just, Kirk Cousins is, has been pro- has proven it this season. He's been really good. You know, I just said 18 touchdowns, two picks. He's, you know, 68.1% completion percentage. The Vikings are four and five right now. It's not the best record, but you know, there's been some there's been some injuries with this team. Daniel Hunter, probably their best defensive player, goes down for the rest of the season. Uh Dalvin Cook has been dealing with some injuries on it for you know himself. Um, but you know, Kirk Cousins has been fine. And 
I don't think the Vikings can should move on from him yet. I think they have a roster where they're going to try competing for the playoffs. Like, you know, you have two good wide receivers. You have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, you have a good running game. You know, with Dalvin Cook, who's one of the best running backs in the league. Obviously, you got Kirk Cousins, and then you got some good pieces on that defense. But I don't know. I think the Vikings are a real are a team that could fight for a playoff spot. I think they could get in this year with an NFC that has some openings. Um, you know, within like the sixth and seventh spot of the playoffs. But I do, I do think Kirk Cousins is is fine, and I just I don't understand where that comes from. I, I didn't see that. Um, but if that's true, I, I don't understand it because I just feel like the Vikings roster is kind of in a win now mode. I don't think they have a roster where they want to rebuild. So I think you have to keep Kirk Cousins and try to, you know, try to win. I mean, he's look, he's not, he ha, he's been a quarterback that hasn't really won and he's been a fine regular season quarterback. You know, he's had multiple 4,000 yard passing seasons, multiple uh, 25 plus touchdown seasons. But, you know, he hasn't gotten the big, you know, the wins yet, but I think the team is good enough. And I think you have to try competing with what you have right now. Kellen Mond, I don't think is ready yet. They drafted him last year in the third round. Um, I still think he's a project quarterback at this point. So they really don't have that future answer yet. And I think the Vikings are a good enough team where they can compete. And I think you just have to keep Kirk Cousins and see what you can do. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think that there's really many options to replace him. I mean, when you really no. look at the league, it's really slim with those top quarterbacks that can really contribute and win you games. And maybe he's not going to, you know, show up when they need him the most in the postseason. I, I don't know. That's still yet to be determined. But to get them to the postseason and to get them into a spot where they're, you know, consistently winning games – I believe that's something that he can do. And I mean, he's excelled at it. So there's no debating that. But, you know, and talking about top quarterbacks, I mean, we, we got to talk about the Chiefs for a second because, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, they there's been so much Patrick Mahomes slander, so much Patrick Mahomes slander, man. Like people have said that he's, you know, after a few rough games, which to be fair, in a five game period, he had something like six interceptions and six touchdowns. So I, I get it. But at the same time, I don't get it because, it, you know, this is a guy who has had probably historically one of the best, if not the best uh, three-year period. I mean, well, Tom Brady, you know, his first few years in the league probably is above that. But, you know, he, he probably had the second best start to a career in NFL history from the quarterback position. Yeah. And now, you know, you look at the stats after all this talk on SportsCenter about uh, Patrick Mahomes and him falling off and he's not, oh, no, he's not the quarterback he used to be. He's turning the ball over. What the heck happened to him? All this stuff. He's now leading the league in pass yards. He's also second in passing touchdowns, I believe. And, uh, you know, he's no longer the first in terms of uh, interceptions thrown. So they've really turned it around. I mean, over the last few games, they're on a three-game win streak. They've been able to beat teams like the Raiders who were in first place. I mean, they've gone through a ton the last month, but yeah, um, definitely a lot of distractions there, but we won't really get into that right now. But, you know, they were able to beat the the Packers, albeit without uh, Aaron Rodgers, but they still, that's a win, you know, for them. They beat the Giants and I, I see them starting to gain momentum. And this win against the Vegas Raiders was massive because, 
Well, the Raiders have played uh, improvingly um, on the defensive side of the ball this season, and Patrick Mahomes just absolutely torched them. Five touchdowns, 400 yards, and he looked like the guy that we used to know and love. And, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs' defense has definitely played better, too, in the last weeks, which has made a huge impact on them winning games. I mean, over the last three games, they've allowed uh, 17 points, 7 points, 14 points. And then if you go back to the last two games, I mean, they allowed 27 points to the Tennessee Titans, not that appealing, but then they allowed 13 points to Washington. So it looks like their defense is starting to get some momentum going. And I, again, you know, they only have six games left in the regular season. And, uh, you know, I think that they're definitely on their way to a playoff appearance. And I would not be surprised at all if they make it to the Super Bowl again. Um, I think that there was a huge overreaction with everything going on with the Chiefs. And if their defense, the the main key here, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be there in those big games. I think the question is, is their defense going to hold up? And if it does, they will definitely be in it. Yeah. And this was a massive win for the Chiefs. Um you know, I thought the Raiders could come out with a big upset here based on how Kansas City has been playing, but I never I never was going to wave the white flag on Kansas City. I thought they have to turn around, right? Like, there's, they, there's too good of a team to not be this bad, you know? Like, they have to turn this thing around and flip the switch. They did it in a big way. I mean, 41-14 to 14 win. Patrick Mahomes had by far the best game of the season, I think, for him. 406 passing yards, 70% completion percentage, five touchdowns. I mean, the offense was just firing on all cylinders. He played fantastic. The defense, I think, is kind of finally starting to play a little bit better, um, which is a great sign. Uh, I still think that there's some holes, you know, and some things that they need to fix. But I think this, you know, the past few, you know, the past couple of weeks have been good. Granted, they played Jordan Love, you know, the week before, and, you know, he hasn't had that much experience. But I think this was a, a relatively, you know, big win here against uh, the Raiders. You know, they the Raiders have been playing relatively good, and they were only, you know, they were able to hold them to 50 yards on the ground. Um, Derek Carr kind of had, you know, a little bit of an off night for himself. So it, it was just a – it was a relatively, you know, big win, and I think this is what they – needed they needed to have this turnaround and they needed to you know start getting you know start clicking and start getting this offense going and Patrick Mahomes played fantastic and I think a lot of people like you said Noah I've kind of counted them out and I I I you know I thought that eventually they were going to turn things around I didn't think that this was going to be the game they did I thought maybe you know they turn things around after their bye week in week 12 or something like that but Big win. I mean, huge win. They have a three-game winning streak right now. Um, and their Chiefs are playing just really good. Um, and I'm very, I'm very impressed with them. Just very impressed with Patrick Mahomes, how he's been able to turn things around for himself. Um, and this team's just been – it's been a good – it's just – they've just been playing really good. They were able to even rush the ball with Daryl Williams last night relatively well. Um, so, you know, this team has just – done its job and they've played phenomenally i think and this is this is the kansas city chiefs that every team in the nfl is going to be afraid to play they don't want to see this team and once they get hot if their defense is turning things around like they've been doing and patrick mahomes is playing at an mvp level you know in in a game like this against the raiders then you have to watch out but it's going to be a big game against dallas that is going to be a 
that, I mean, that is going to be a really fun game to watch. So I'll be very excited to watch that, but what a big win for Kansas city. And I'm happy that they kind of shut people up and they kind of, you know, inserted themselves back into the conversation. They lead the AFC West right now. They're the sole leader of the division. And I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping on them and you, you got to wake up because this team seems to be rolling right now. Yeah, a lot of people have been sleeping on them, and they should definitely uh, start to open their eyes and see the reality of the situation. Like, yeah, Chiefs are back, man. I mean, I I knew that it was probably just a slow start. There was definitely a huge overreaction with that. Um, and, and you know, another team in the AFC which is really intriguing right now is uh, the Tennessee Titans, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I think one of the big factors that I've seen with this team is just they've gotten so much better on defense compared to last year. I mean, last year they had one of the leakiest defenses in the league uh, without question. This year they're ninth in interceptions, fourth in sacks, um, and and they've overall been able to dominate with time of possession, which is huge. Usually that does correspond to wins. So, you know, now they're doing it without Derrick Henry. And something I just find so incredible about this situation is that if you just look at these numbers with Ryan Tannehill, right, and you just look at the numbers, you would think that both of these were losses. I mean, 19 for 27, both games, ironically. He went 19 for 27, both games. Um, One of the games, 143 yards against the Rams, one touchdown, one interception, and he also ran for a touchdown. Uh, And then the next game against New Orleans, they won that game as well, 21-23, and he put up 213 yards, one touchdown, uh, zero interceptions and then one touchdown rushing. I mean, these aren't really numbers of a, a quarterback that is winning games per se, but they've somehow find found a way to do it and they keep finding ways to do it. And when you look at the rush game, like, and you look at their offensive stats, I mean, it's really not that impressive. I mean, Adrian Peterson, unfortunately has not done that great uh, since he's come back. I mean, he's averaging about two yards a carry, which is horrific. Yeah. Um, then again, I mean, he was out of the NFL for about 10 weeks or nine weeks, whatever, you know, the case may be. So there definitely is some rust there um, and hopefully he can get it going. But they really have had no rush game since uh, Derrick Henry went down. Their quarterback play has been uh, very questionable at best. I mean, Ryan Tannehill has been able to manage the game and do enough to get the win, which is, I guess, all that matters right now. But it's incredible because they face two two opponents who are – you know, potential contenders in, in the Rams and the Saints, they've won both games and they've done so without really doing anything on offense. And that just shows how good they've been on defense. Um, the huge improvement there. And I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting to see that they've been, uh, they've been able to put things together and start to really improve on defense. Um, that's going to be a huge key going forward to them. And over the next two weeks before their bye week, they play Houston, which should be a win. And they play uh, New England. And uh, I don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to win that game. But, you know, what what do you think about this team? Do you still um, believe that they're, they, you know, are going to be probably a first-round exit? Or do you think that uh, they could potentially shock some people with their defensive play? I mean, their defense has been playing, I think, they've been playing very well with their defense. Um you know, they held Kansas City to three points back in October, which, I mean, Kansas City's offense, granted, has not, has not been playing well, but that's still, I think, a W right there. The Rams, they held to 16 points, had Matthew Stafford, you know, had, a, I think, two or three interceptions that game. 
Um, and then this one, you know, they were able to hang on versus the Saints, but I think it kind of goes back to Matt, uh, Mike Vrabel. I think Mike Vrabel has been coaching this team very well. Um, I think coach of the year is something that he should be considered for. I think he's done a really good job. And granted, no, not having Derrick Henry for the last two games, and they're able to beat two teams that are the Rams, who are a very good football team, and then the Saints, who, you know, are a playoff team right now. Like, it's impressive to see something like that. And, yeah, I mean, it hasn't really even been Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Ryan Tannehill of the season hasn't had the best outline. I mean, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions, you know, not a great touchdown to interception ratio, but I think he's done enough to get the job done. Um which is all that matters sometimes at the end of the day, but the Titans have honestly, like looking at their upcoming schedule, like you were mentioning the Texans, that's going to be a win. A Patriots is going to be a good one. I think we can come out with a win on that one, but we'll see. They get a bye. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know what the result of that game is going to be Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. I'm not really a big believer in them either. I think they can win that game. The 49ers, 49ers are playing right good. I mean, playing good right now as Monday Night Football is going on right now. But who knows what they're going to be? You know, Week 16. You got Miami and you got the Texans. Like, they have a relatively easy schedule. I think they should get the first round by because of how easy the schedule is. But it's going to be dependent on whether or not Derrick Henry comes back. If Derrick Henry is back and he's healthy and he's Derrick Henry that we've seen, then this team's going to be really dangerous because now. You're going to have a, a, a Derrick Henry who's going to, you know, you know, we don't know what he's going to be after the, the injury, but he's going to be out there and he's, he's a threat no matter what. And, you know, having a good running game in the playoffs and cold weather and, you know, being able to run the football is key. And there was, that was the reason why the Titans were able to make the AFC championship a few years back. Like they had a good running game with Derrick Henry and, now you have a receiver in AJ Brown. You have Julio Jones, who he's dealing with some injuries right now with his hamstring. He's on IR, should be back in a few weeks, hopefully. They could probably even rest him and make sure that he's all healed up. So they're in a relatively good situation right now. I do worry about them. I think being a potential, you know, one, you know, a, a game in the playoffs and then being out, um, I could definitely see that. But I think the regular season's regular season schedule is good enough where I think that they're, they're going to be able to rattle off some wins. Like, I mean, I think the toughest game they have left is probably the Patriots. And other than that, like they could win all these games that they have. So just going to it's going to be, you know, depending on what Derrick Henry is going to look like if he comes back this season and they get him. If not, then I really don't give them a chance. But if they can get Derrick Henry back for the playoffs. I mean, this team could beat anybody, and this defense has been playing very good. And if they get their key core piece, their offense back, and get the engine that keeps that gets that offense moving, they're going to be a very dangerous team. So I think the Titans right now are, are in a good position, and having a relatively you know easy regular season schedule for the rest of the way definitely helps out. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I do want to transition to basketball. If that's cool sure. with you. We got some minutes left, and I think that you know we should probably talk about some basketball. What's up? You know, What's we are roughing the basket here. So, <laughs> what you got for me, Noah? What's up with basketball? Like I said last week, I, th- I think the Golden State Warriors are just gonna you know dominate the Western Conference right now. It, it's looking like they're gonna continue to just soar to new heights. Um, you know, one team that has been kind of surprising in some ways 
is uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, I thought I would give them, you know, a shout out because they've been able to win games without uh, Kawhi Leonard. And it's looking like Kawhi is probably going to miss the whole season from what I have seen. And Paul George right now is uh, he's an MVP candidate, to put it lightly. Uh, from what I've seen, I mean, this guy has just dominated. He's willed them to games, averaging 27 points a game, 45% shooting, uh, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, and uh, half a block a game. I mean, if those aren't MVP-esque numbers and he's in the conversation – Last year, and rough in the basket, I did I did a segment by myself called uh, it was like basket or pass it, you know. And basket was like, if you said basket, man, uh, that they were gonna, you know, go go far. You thought they were gonna make the playoffs or have some kind of run. If it was pass it, that meant you know they were done. You, you thought they had no shot. Now I'm gonna ask you with the Clippers, do you think that they have a shot to not only make the playoffs but get to the second round, basket or pass it? <sighs> I think I'm in a basket. I think they could. Um, I mean, Kawhi, I don't know if he's going to come back this season, but I honestly, I've been impressed with the Clippers. I think Paul George, you know, he's gotten a lot of flack and, you know, calling him like pandemic P um, and all this stuff about him not showing up. But I think you said it perfectly. I think Paul George is playing at an MVP level right now. He has been playing really good. 26 and a half points a game, 8.2 rebounds a game, 5.2 assists, 2.2 steals. He's in that MVP conversation. He's really been the reason why the Clippers have been playing really well. Now, getting past the first round could be tough. It probably would depend on who they play. But I think if Paul George stays healthy and he continues to play the basketball that he's been playing, it can happen. Um Maybe the Clippers are players in the trade deadline and they make a move. I mean, Reggie Jackson was great in the playoffs last season, but I just don't know how I – don't, I don't know if he can keep that up. Like, this team is kind of basically the same team that they were last season, but I think we're just starting to see Paul George play at more of a higher level, you know, being the guy on this team. But I think they could make a move at the trade deadline. I think I wouldn't be opposed to it, um, <clears throat> but – I do like the, what I'm seeing from the team right now, especially defensively, the third and defensive rating right now. Um, so that's like a good sign there. And, you know, they've been able to, you know, relatively do good, you know, match it up against opponents and, you know, forcing them to miss shots and, you know, do think, do the things like that to be a good defensive team. It's early. It's, you know, we're still, what, 13, 14 games into the season for some of these teams. So there is some question marks, but, I think this team potentially could be a team that makes a move. I wouldn't be surprised, Um, but I do like what I'm seeing right now from them. And I think if they can keep it up, I do think that they could be a team, you know, in the playoffs. I mean, Ty Wu is a very good head coach and I definitely think that they could, um, they could move on, you know, to like the second round of the playoffs. I don't know that for sure, but I feel good about what I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I think they will most likely – well, I'm not even going to say most likely. They, they will make the playoffs, and that's definitive for me. I still think they have enough talent there without Kawhi Leonard. I think with Kawhi Leonard there, they are a championship contender. Without him there, they're still a very good basketball team, and they're very dangerous, and they can definitely play spoiler. And at the same time, I think they can potentially have uh, an upset in the first round. Now, 
you know, another team that has started off actually fairly terrible is uh, the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, last year, now I don't think a lot of people remember this because all they remember is the final result, which was, you know, the Atlanta Hawks making it to essentially the semifinals and nobody yeah. saw that one coming. Um, and, you know, they, they started off the season fairly terrible and they were bad for a long time. I believe they were, I don't, I don't want to say false information on here, but they were under 500 the majority of the season. Um, I believe right before, right after the all-star game was when they fired their head coach, their uh, former head coach. Um, and that's when things really started to shift. And now the Atlanta Hawks at this moment are five and nine. And I think, you know, I've heard some people start to overreact and say, oh man, you know, it's not looking that good. It was last year fluke. I'm going to say no. I think right now it's still extremely early, like you said. And uh, I mean, when you look at these standings in maybe three months, I think we're going to look back and laugh because I think, you know, Washington is not going to be the number one seed. I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, no. they, they will. I think they will be in the playoff game. We did establish that last time we talked about this. Um, they're good enough to at least make the play-in game. I have no doubt about that. But, the, uh, you know, to be number, number one seed, I don't think that's uh, really attainable. Cleveland has been a surprise, too. They're nine and six. And to be honest, I do not see that yeah. lasting as well. I think they're they're going to fall apart somehow. Um, especially, you know, now that um, Sexton is out for a few weeks or uh, potentially a month or so, uh, still not really too sure about that one. But, um, yeah, so I, I guess, you know, with uh, the Atlanta Hawks, I'll ask you this one. Sure. Do you think that they will recover? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's been a, a relatively surprising start to the season, I think, for them. And defensively, I kind of knew that they weren't, weren't going to be a good defensive team. Uh, they're 28th out of 30 in terms of defensive rating, but they're top 10 in offensive rating. We knew that this team offensively was going to be very good. And, you know, they just haven't, you know, they haven't been knocking down a lot of their shots, but they've been good. At, I think just, you know, scoring the basketball, I think, you know, in terms of their points, they've been good. Obviously, Trey Young is one of the best, you know, young players in the league. Um, he's having a really good season for himself. and you have some of these other guys like John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, who I believe might be injured right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you can fact check me on that, but Cam Reddish, you got Kevin Waiter. Like this is a relatively deep team, um, but I think that they need some more help uh, within, you know, their got their depth pieces. Um, Trey Young's been kind of asked to, you know kind of carried the load with this team. Um, he really hasn't had too much contribution except for John Collins, who's averaging 16 and a half points a game. But like Bogdan Bogdanovich is averaging 11. Clint Capella is averaging 10. And DeAndre Hunter's averaging 10.8. And, you know, there he could have some more contributions. But I think this team is, you know, relatively good enough. I don't think, you know, last year is a complete fluke. I think it was a little bit fluky that they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think that this team is still a good enough team where I think they'll be in the playoffs. I do believe that. And they're just good, really good offensively. And I think once these guys start, 
you know, once these guys start hitting their shots, you know, their field goal percentage right now as a team is 19th in the NBA, which isn't great. Um, so they're kind of, it seems like that they're a little bit uh, inconsistent with some of their shot taken because um, they're making, in terms of how many field goals they're making a game as a team, they're eighth in the NBA. So they're, you know, they're making their shots, but they're not doing it at an efficient rate. So there's just going to be some, you know, better basketball in that regard. But I think they definitely will turn things around. I think they'll be a playoff team. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what kind of trades transpire this season. You know, I I don't have any predictions yet, but there's definitely going to be some interesting trades. And I would not be surprised to see the Atlanta Hawks try to swarm the trade market to add pieces because I really do think that they acknowledge that they are in win now mode and that they, they, I mean, they made it to the Eastern conference finals last year. So they do have the power and the superstar in, in Trey young. And also you can't rule out John Collins and his contributions to, you know, continue to uh, support this team. And, and I think maybe uh, they are a few pieces away and, you know, who, who knows what will happen at the trade deadline or even in a few weeks, hopefully, you know, next time that we record, there'll be some yeah. updates and trades, hopefully some trades that we can talk about. Cause so far the, uh, I mean, as far as trades have been concerned, it's been kind of dead in the NBA, but well, yeah, I, I think that's going to change real soon. Yeah. And I, you know, once we get, I mean, the trade deadline, I don't even think is until like a couple months. So I don't think yeah, we're February. Yeah. So we won't see those a lot, but I think we'll definitely, I think it'll pick up. I think the NBA trade deadline is always usually very, you know, uh, you know, it's usually very fast moving, fast paced. There's a lot of things that happen, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, you know, the NBA right now is is it's always it's it's what it's always been. It's always been great to watch, and there's just been a lot of surprises. A lot of teams that we mentioned have kind of disappointed. You know, mentioned last week's show some teams that have been really surprising. We talked about the Wizards, but. It's been interesting. It's still very early on, and I don't. I do think that a lot of things are going to change in a few more months. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I believe that's all we got today. You know, it's been a great show. But man, I am tired. I'm not gonna lie. I am exhausted. That's... It's been a long day. So I think we're gonna wrap it up and uh, call it a show. But next week we're definitely back. Definitely bring more NBA news, more NFL news. And yep. uh, yeah, we'll definitely uh, figure out another fun fact to start the show with. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what you got for me, Noah, next week. But thank you guys for listening to Rough in the Basket. It's been Brandon Carr. It's been Noah Burnt. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. Follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. You can follow me on Twitter at bcar underscore 13. Noah, you can follow him on Instagram at and burnt 37 noah what do you want to leave the people off with man uh there's so much i could say right now i I think the lions probably have the worst wide receiver core i've I've ever seen in my life i mean i don't know here's to hoping we we get somebody good in the future there we go so he's looking for the next calvin johnson everybody but thank you guys for listening to the rough in the basket and we will see you guys next week peace